This is Working the Beat. It is a Friday, August 7th, 2020. I'm Kevin Cooney. Thanks for joining us. Give me what you can tonight. Mike Kern will join us in a bit. Our guests will join us up front here in a moment. That'll be Al Morgani, uh, the longtime uh, writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Also, the co-host with Angelo Cataldi and Maria Hughes on uh, 94 WIP in the mornings for the last, oh, 30 years or so. Al will join us to discuss uh, everything involving the Flyers and their run on the Stanley Cup, uh, which obviously the Flyers going for the one seed on Saturday uh, against the Lightning in the East. Appear to be in really good shape. Had two good outings up in the bubble uh, against the Bruins and the Capitals in the round-robin format. Now as we get set to move into the elimination round, um, that will be fascinating to watch. We'll also see if we can talk to Al about other things. Uh, the Phillies get, getting a split against the Yankees despite the fact they may have the worst bullpen in club history. Uh, and obviously one of the questions that will be asked, I, I hope, uh, you know, I will be able to ask it, is about Al's status uh, at NBC Sports Philadelphia given everything going on this week. Uh over there we want to think or want to send our best out to all the people at nbc sports philadelphia not just the uh, on cam camera people you know Derek gunn who was on this podcast before greg murphy who you know i had the pleasure of working next to for seven years um you know when he was a member of the phillies broadcast team and i was a beat writer at the courier uh murph is good Murph's great people serena winners uh all the sideline reporters and, uh, you know, obviously a ton of behind-the-scenes people. Uh, Paul Hudrick, who covered the Sixers for NBC Sports Digital, um, is one of them. Uh, Enrico Capitelli, who was the uh, head of the 700 level. Um, you know, there's m- much more behind-the-scenes. Uh, Maureen Quilder, obviously, who is the director of promotions uh, for NBC Sports Philadelphia, slash Comcast Sportsnet for 24 years was also let go. So, um, you know, my heart goes out to all of them as somebody who has gone through that trouble. But anyway, we'll ask Al um, kind of where he stands at the moment uh, with NBC Sports Philly. And and then Mike will join us. It's a phone interview with Al. So because of the technical hookup, it's just going to be me doing the uh, interview uh, with Mr. Morgani. Next week, uh, Matt Breen will join us. Uh, obviously, schedules have been a little wacky uh, with the Phillies writers, so we'll have Matt join us next week. And I'm trying to get uh, Keith Pompey, who is in the Orlando bubble, uh, with the Sixers, which is a mess, and Mike and I will talk about that later on. So, But when we come back, we'll have Al Morgani, uh, the longtime morning show host on what it's been like to get up all these years so early, the hardest working man really between his work with ESPN for years and then with NBC Sports Philadelphia covering hockey and now uh, just doing everything. That's Al Morgini. He's up next. Working to be continues right after this. Looking to reach the sports fans of Philadelphia in a brand new way. This is Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Working to Be podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports crazed town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. 
Now your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work of the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Work in the Beat podcast family. And joining us now on the phone, uh, on his way to, a, am sure, a golf course somewhere uh, <laughs> after a... Uh, a week doing the WIP morning show with Angelo Cataldi and Ray Hughes and the cast of characters over there. He's been doing it for over uh, for 30 years. And the longtime uh, voice of hockey in this region between uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia and the Inquirer, it's Al Morgani. Al, how are you? Doing fine. Yeah, heading out to, well, I don't know. It's raining. I don't know if I'm playing or not, but we'll find out. <laughs> it's always good to play in the rain sometimes, you know? Uh, no, if you have an option, it's no. better to play in the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, Al, let me, let me, uh, first get to, the, uh, yeah. What have you, how has it been like for you guys trying to fill a morning show without sports? And now what's it like having pretty much every sport at your disposal every morning? Well, it's a pretty big shift. I mean, I'm, but fortunately, you know, we've got our show, does a lot more than sports. So I think we've had the luxury of being able to shift smoother from one to the other, but I may make no mistake. It's much, it's much better when there's games dynamics to go on and talk about managerial moves or uh, blunders or what have you. It's, it's, we're, we're, we're way more ready to do that. That's our, that's our real force to hunt in. Yeah, it is, and obviously, I think the one thing for you, for you, and I heard you this morning say, you know, with hockey being back, you like the way this this Flyers team has developed under Elaine Vigneault, and you said this morning you think they're going to win the Cup. Is that correct? Yeah, I think they. It's it's as good as I've felt about any team since the you know since. Well, my lord, I didn't even feel this good about the team that went to the finals against Chicago. I barely got in. This is as good a chance, I think. And I think it's just the beginning of teams with chances. I'm not one of those that says that you don't win at all, you lose. I think with this goaltender, uh, they're going to be in the hunt for a, 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 that generation, his generation to come. But this team here, because of the weird setup here and very good coaching, not just the head coach, Vigneault, but the assistant coaches have been through it. Um, and they're kind of their balance that they have. I think they've got a real good shot at it. I, I said this in January, you know, I don't gamble on it, but I looked at the odds in January and said, you know, the Flyers are as good a bet as anybody. Cause hockey basically, you know, you've got 10 teams every year that can win it. And I thought, yeah, they're one of those 10 teams. And with this goalie, uh, heart, I mean, I really think you've got a, you've got a legitimate chance at this. And in these, in these situations, I, I believe that this cup is going to be harder to win than any mm -hmm. um, with everybody being level in terms of neutral ice and save Toronto, which is probably not going to help them at all if they're even in it. Right. Um, so I, I think, uh, I think this is going to be a real tough, a real tough cup to win, but I, I am a true believer in, in the goaltender. And I think he gives, he's the reason that I really think that this team has a really, really good chance to win a cup. Al, when you covered the team for the Inquirer, I mean, they were they had a fortune of goalies. I mean, in a sense of, you know, you had 
Bernie, and then even Pete Peters was pretty good when he first came up, and then they went to um, uh, they, they went over to Pelly, obviously, and then they ended up with Ron. And there's been this gap since Hextall, I would even say the end of the first Hextall term, to now without a goaltender. Why is Carter Hart different? Why why is he the best chance to maybe break this this strange hex they've had with goaltenders? Well, I think what what with him is I think even though he hasn't been in the Stanley Cup playoffs, he's been pressure tested so much. Um, we tend to dismiss in the states what it means to be the junior goaltender in Canada, and you know, in those games, and he's been through it before. He's been he's been Canada's guy um, previously. And he's, even though I may not win it all, he's always kind of stood up to those pressures. And I think, and I just see him, he's kind of a new age athlete. Um, he takes into account all the mental stuff. Um, he, he's more than willing to take any advice analytically, this, that, the other thing. And he's just at the bottom of it all. He's a pretty cool character so i don't think that the pressure is going to get to him at all not saying he won't have a bad game here and there which we've seen anyway but i don't think that thing carries over he he would have a short memory when he has to and a long memory when it when it serves him better when you look at at the first two games up in the in the bubble uh, in the round robin um it looked yeah they haven't gotten a lot out of their first line but they've no. got, but they've gotten a lot out of lines two, three, and four. Um, is that just show the depth they have? Yeah, it shows depth, but they have got a lot out of in terms of shutting down the other team. Uh, and I think, I think as much as anything, as much as I think they look good, I'm I'm much more impressed with they make other teams look disinterested, um, which. Because, you know, this is basically a practice round. Let's right. face it. I don't want to read too much into this. I mean, guys are getting sat out. I mean, you know, Stam Coast might finally play for Tampa. I mean, a lot of coaches are just trying to get guys in the lineup. But what what I've seen more than anything is the Flyers' defensive play and the way they're playing has taken teams that maybe were going to be willing to hit another gear, just saying, well, what the heck, it's only a practice round. We're not going to have to bust it here which to me tells you that they're difficult to play against. Right. <laughs> it, it's, it, they're very difficult to play against. So that combination of them being difficult to play against and then their own guys, when they get cranked up, I think will have a huge effect. And additionally, I think the real, the biggest element here has been Hayes, who um, a lot of people, including me, wondered, boy, that's a lot of money for him when he, when he got brought on board. But then after what happened to Nolan Patrick, he become indispensable. And I think what you've seen is already he's kind of earned a spot um, in the team leadership. And I think in big games, he's, he's shown that he's going to be a big player. And that's a, that's a huge plus if he is a if his playoff performance steps up the grade from what it's been previously, it's a big, big, big plus. So you add that all together in their young defense, which can still make mistakes, but you see the potential that's there when they play well, Sanheim Myers, when they play well, how big a plus that's going to be. So a lot of, a lot of arrows point up for that team right now. We're talking to Al Morgani. Al, you talked about Elaine Mignot. He's done this, obviously, in both New York and Vancouver. He's gotten to a cup final in both spots. What is it about his structure that, that has helped this team turn it from what what it was under Dave Hackstall and Scott Gordon last year? 
Yeah, well, Hextall was, because he was in that Hextall regime, and I thought Ron Hextall did a great job of stocking people, but he was looking ahead all the time mm -hmm. uh, to the future and putting things together. And I think Hextall also did that. I think he had too long a leash in some cases. Um, what Vigneault demands is every single game, like the general manager who goes out and makes a change like Hayes to, to win now. And I think Vigneault's message from day one has been whatever it takes to win right now. He sat down veteran players early. He called them out early. Uh, he, he demanded early. You see even now he's unwilling to, you know, have a bad one. You, there's no, there's no, um, I guess in the Apple culture, it's called a lion. There's no lions when you work for Apple. There's right. nobody that lives on what they did in the past. And I think Vigneault brings that to this team right now. It's whatever's going to get us through this game today. And I think you've seen some since game one, it's a team that's much more structured, much more stay in your lane type of a thing. So although Konechny can be a game breaker, the biggest plus in Konechny's game has been he doesn't make the high try to make the high percentage play the very dangerous offensive play to make a great play um he'll just try to make the right play rather than the great play and i think that's the real benefit of Vigneault. there's a real stay in your lane attitude and everybody doing whatever it takes to uh to just get the win it's simple as that and, and you have to answer to it whether you're jvr or whomever you're not going to be in the lineup or you're not going to get a preferred space in the lineup if you haven't brought up the game before. Is that something, and you covered the Mike Keenan teams, and that's years ago, obviously, but, um, you know, Keenan had a, a, a reputation for, you know, bright bright fuse, but then it, it burned out quick. Is there a danger of that with Vigno? No, because he's not as um, combustible as Keenan, okay. <laughs> put it that way. Um, he's not much as I liked Mike, there was a, when you get it from, from Vigneault, it doesn't seem vindictive. Okay. And I think, I think what happened with Mike at times is it seemed vindictive. Okay. And which is why Mike always had to have assistant coaches that were, you know, uh, uh, really positive. The EJ McGuire's and, and yeah, Homer at that one, point. Yeah. Mike might knock you down and EJ would pick you up. Uh, Vigneault doesn't, really want to knock you down he just wants to point out what you're doing wrong and but not he doesn't want to knock you out okay it's just a question when you when you ruffle feathers of superstars sometimes it doesn't last real long yeah there's an immediate impact and then it, it, it burns out quick that's why i wanted to bring that up yeah and you have to have veterans that don't mind it being ruffled like i mean you got drew being moved you know and, and he's been terrific with it. You've got a, an, a very underrated leader, I think, in Couturier. Although Drew wears the C, I, I look at Couturier as uh, as the guy, mm -hmm. um, the centerpiece of the team at this point. Um, that's the guy who, and when I listen to him talk, he he um, presents himself um, as a as a team leader. Drew's the captain. He's been there so long. He's one of the elite players in the league, but. I look at uh, the nucleus. I, I look at Couturier as that guy right now. When you looked at the rest of the teams in that round robin, you mentioned about how the Bruins seemed uninterested. You mentioned about the Capitals yesterday. I thought in the third period, even the Capitals kind of geared back at a certain point. Um, you know, do you expect that Boston and Washington, when we get into the regular tournament, will be able to kind of flip the switch and put their play to another level or, or 
Or maybe has the layoff taken too much out of the Bruins, especially? I think the Bruins will have a lot harder time. If I were the Flyers, the team I worry most about, I mean, obviously Tampa's a very, very good team. I don't even think Tampa's going to use their goalie, their best goalie against the Flyers in, in the last game here. But the Washington would be the team that I would be most fearful of, uh, concerned with, put it that way. And it sounds dumb because they've handled Washington throughout the season and they've really basically shut out Ovechkin. Mm-hmm. But I I wouldn't I, – I would be very, very nervous about – Washington coming into a series like that with Ovechkin with all the attention on the fact that he didn't do anything. Right. It would be really hard to keep a hat on him through a playoff series right. if he comes in like that. That would be the team, despite the fact what they've done in the regular season, how they've handled him. You know, Carlson didn't play in this last game against them. That would be the team that I would think would would come in with a real edge against the Flyers. Let me let me ask you a couple other general questions with the NHL. If the Penguins somehow lose to the Canadians, which obviously they're <laughs> down to one, what does that do to the Crosby era in Pittsburgh as far as that that team itself? Could it be on the verge of a breakdown? Yeah, they're a little. It, it looks that way. I mean, Crosby. I never. I always don't want to discount him as an ability to come back, but you know, you see in this that there's a little something that's been missing. We put him in a big game. God, I wouldn't bet against him. Right. But the fear you have is <laughs> if they if they don't get through and they end up with that first draft kick pick with a kid that can not a generational player but a really really good player that sets them up for another five six years whatever and I'm not saying that he'd be the best player in the league but he'd be near the top so I mean that long term uh, I would be very worried about the lottery right. on, on what 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 Pittsburgh does there but I do think the Pittsburgh era as like uh, don't worry about it. They're going to be there, and they're going to give everybody a, a run here. I, I don't think that they would be that after this, they'd be considered one of those teams. I think the Flyers would be right on par with them. How how have you enjoyed what the NHL has done both in Toronto and Edmonton with the, with this tournament? I think it's been great. Like I like I've always been one the more the merrier in playoffs. I. I would love this format all the time. Um, save the, uh, the kind of play the, the round robin type thing. Right. Um, I would be one for this all the time. These teams are so close. Look at look at the teams. All the team. You, everybody's got a shot. Basically, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like the NBA where you know you've got super teams. You really have a chance. I, I don't mind more teams in the playoffs here. And fans love playoff hockey. Look, look at all the interest in this. Fans love playoff hockey. There's going to be the year where you get knocked out as a team that had you know a whole bunch of points coming in. But really, is there that much difference between 16 and 24? There, there really isn't. No. <laughs> when you look at it, and if it's a, and if your fans get more out of it going in, I'm all for it. I, I love this. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'd rather have it obviously with fans and stands and home ice and all that. But I mean, I think you're seeing just how close teams are uh, that it's a, it's not a, it's not a matter of, Oh, you know, going to play a team's going to be horrible. It's not going to be worth it. It's always worth it. you got a, you got a shot to win. You're in the playoffs. And to me, I, if I'm the NHL, I'm looking at this and say, Hey, this is terrific. I'm, I, I have no problem with going with this from now on. I don't think they will, but it'd be my dream scenario. Well, and, and the final question with hockey is the fact that what does the NHL do now when this is all done? Assuming you don't have a, a a vaccine by December, okay, that that's readily available and all that, does the NHL go back to their buildings next year? 
Or or how does the league? It sounds strange. You're not at the end of this season, but the the next season is scheduled to begin in December. They may have a problem getting started, wouldn't they? At this point, yeah. Well, they'll have to see what happens, and you know. And then at, right now they're at the forefront. Now you're going to be in the the the, le- the the last car of this. You'll see what happens with baseball and the NFL to see what happens. But I think all plans are to go. Like I hope, like I, hey, they're taking sixteen hundred dollars a month from me for season tickets. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking they're thinking we're going to be in the building. I don't want to send me a check back. So I think uh, I think that the economics of it are they'll do anything to put people in the building. Well, you were big on believing that everybody would be back in the building with the yeah. NFL. No, and now I got Penn State with nothing, and uh, I'm I'm shocked that it's gone on like this. But uh, you know nobody nobody knows, and everybody's afraid to basically say I don't know. <laughs> and that's we're in the age of I don't know, and no, nobody ever wants to say I don't know. But IDK is actually the answer to almost everything, from your doctor to your yeah. to your season ticket agent to your uh, to end to your school teacher. The answer to everything is I don't know, and it's maddening when you're asking that question and getting that answer. You could probably say that for politicians too, but none of them ever yeah, say I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're a big you're a big baseball fan. How bad is this Phillies bullpen compared to what they've, you know, compared to years past? I mean, this is awful at this point. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's really terrible. Um, and they they could have addressed it. I, you know, I, I, I kind of blame management for not addressing this bullpen. Uh, no one coming in. It's always, as a sports fan, you never want to be in that spot where you want to be right, but you don't want to be right to the to the detriment of the team. Mm-hmm. You'd rather be wrong when you say, boy, I didn't believe in it, but look at how he's playing. But when, when the worst spot to be in is, you, you know, coming in, this is, why didn't they fix this? Why didn't they fix this? Why didn't they fix this? And then you get there and you're still asking yourself, what the hell? I don't get paid any money to run the team and I knew they had to fix this. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's something that should have been, that in my opinion, should have been addressed earlier. And now I guess the manager has to feel his way through how many, whatever number of names you have out there to get through. And I I, I think it's all, it's, it's ridiculous that it wasn't addressed before, whether through trade or signing veteran players that at least you had, at least you had guys that had been through it, that you, that you, you kind of knew what you were getting. You're a sports, you're you're a Philly fan. You're looking, go, who's that? Who's that? And then making it worse, you don't know who it is. And then you look at the number after it, you know, run average of 17, 18, 19, 26, whatever it is. Like what the heck is going on here? And I, I, I feel for uh, I, I feel for fans realizing. Well, what did you <laughs> you're saying to yourself? Well, what did you expect? But worse than that, I think that they uh, I, I think they have a Hoskins Kingery issue real early. Yeah, they I do. Mean, these are a couple of guys that long and short short term. You need them to get out of this. I mean, you really need them. And Hoskins looks lost, and Kingery doesn't look like he's progressed. It's so early. Who knows what will happen? But that to me is my real major concern that long-term that those guys aren't what you expected. And we, especially at, with Kingery, I expect that there would be some improvement. So we'll see what happens. I, I'm more willing to give Kingery a pass a little bit because of everything he dealt with, with COVID and the summer camp. Yeah. And, uh, Hoskins is a problem. Hoskins, Hoskins looks almost scared to hit anything. It's not. Belt, yeah, belt high. Hoskins, yeah. Hoskins looks like to me and, I mean, I don't care. If, I mean, whether you want to use analytics or not, but I, I think Hoskins has bought too much into the 
kind of the uh, the kind of the decisions that walks are as good as hits mm-hmm. like that, like that analytic. He, he's, he appears to me to be going in almost in a defensive posture yeah. rather than an, an aggressive hitter. And I, and I know walks are good. And so the numbers tell you that walks are good. I don't know that you're rewarded in terms of money, in terms of, of uh, if I'm his agent, I'm like, you know, I don't care what you're telling me. You're not going to make as much money with walks as home runs. But I, I think he's bought too much into it. And I think he has to be a more uh, aggressive, willing to fail hitter. And it'll lead to more success. Yeah, and if you think about it, like guys, guys who strike out anymore, 170, 180 times. If as long as you have 35, 40 homers, you get paid. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's not what's going to happen with Hoskins at this point. No, and it just it doesn't. It's not a good. It's not a good look when he. And I'm not talking about his facial look, but it's just oh. not a good look uh, when he when he's at bat right now. Um, if I'm the opposing pitcher, it doesn't. He doesn't scare me. And beyond statistics, it doesn't scare me when he's up there. Uh, obviously, I mean, you know, you, you've been around a long time. And you're, I should say, you know, I asked Al if I could ask this. Your name was floated out there earlier with the NBC Sports Philadelphia layoffs and all that. You got a call, you said, from Michelle Murray at uh, NBC when all, when all the rumors were out there. Can you talk about that? Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, because I just kind of assumed during the pandemic things were going to change, so right. whatever. So um, then, the, then the story came out. I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm gone. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And I was told, no, it's just uh, what's going on here during the pandemic. So we'll see what happens. God knows, in this industry, you have nothing from. Oh, look who I'm talking to. Yeah, <laughs> you have nothing. You have nothing <laughs> from from, you know, from day to day things change, and uh, it's not, it's not under the people that are controlling you are being controlled by somebody else too. So you literally don't know what's going to happen from season to season, month to month. It's a, it's a, it's a scary industry to be in right now. Luckily for me, I'm at the long end of it, so to speak. And uh, so I, I actually enjoyed the heyday and I, I feel for people in their twenties and thirties coming up who, yeah, maybe have moved across the country to take a job because just because you're in a market like Philadelphia, Boston, New York anymore, it doesn't mean anything in terms of job security or getting another job. Um, there's so many more elements taking place here. And, you know, the people that count the dollar signs uh, are looking at things far different. And the whole model has changed on, on what, what you expect to get out of people. And I, and I'm, I'm fearful that, there are people that don't want to make this their career anymore because it's just too it, look in the eighties, you could say I'm going into media mm-hmm. and I'm going to be able to support a family. and I'm going to be able to have, you know, move up in the area. You know, I'm going to get better jobs and there's going to be better opportunities. I don't know that that exists anymore. I, I don't know that, that you still look at that job. If you're telling your, if you're 20, if you're 19, 20, 21 and telling mom and dad, oh, I'm going to go in the media, that they're not saying, uh, eh, maybe that's not such a good idea. Well, I mean, think <laughs> about think about how many of us had a fallback plan when we were going through college. N- not many. I mean, a lot no. of us were, were gung-ho that this is what our career would be until we were in our early to mid-60s. Um, yeah, yeah. Because and, if we didn't make it, so to speak, with a big... Uh, media entity. Right. There were others that were very, very good jobs for very long periods of time. And um, like some of my friends that are the best 
writers that I knew never went to the Boston Globe or the New York Times. They ended up in what would be called suburban papers in New England and just terrific lifestyles, terrific careers mm-hmm. um, covering you know, it doesn't. When you say, "Oh, I covered the, uh, I covered the Flyers or I covered the Yankees," well, there are people I know that covered high school hockey in in Massachusetts that are legendary names right. and big big readerships and important contacts to NHL writers because th- that's how people got their information. And unfortunately, that's gone away. And that's a that, that's that's huge to me that. You don't have that industry anymore for for people say I want to make a career of it. And it's not just sports; it's news; it's everything. Yeah, no, it's everything, and it's it's everything in the world, and you know the entire the entire media landscape has changed. Music; it's it's uh, it's uh, it's everything. It's all it's all been uh, the spectrum has changed, and and it's it's changed completely. In that you can have, but but on the other hand, things get created because of it. Right. Um, you have huge podcasts. Um, there's y- you can if you're if you're creative now, I believe creative people now are being called to the force. Okay, gambling's big. Um, uh, in little little sections are big. So maybe there's a maybe there's a whole industry to have there by somebody in their twenties that's going to come up with something that turns into something. I blame, I do blame some younger people for one thing only and i'm not one that says millennials i mean i think we work hard and get a bad right bad rap. I agree. but but i do think that there was a time when the entire goal of some people was to get stuff for nothing mm-hmm. and when you get stuff for nothing yep. uh, whether it's music or sports or whatever somebody's not getting paid and eventually it may be you because you've stopped the flow of the economy of it. When you tried to get all your music for nothing, when you tried to get your, your TV or your radio, whatever, for nothing, when you get – it doesn't work. It doesn't work in America to get stuff for nothing. You, if you don't pay, somebody's not paid and there's not a job. And I think there was a lot of that going on. And I think it costs a lot of people. And it breaks the cycle. It breaks it. It sure does. Um, one final question, because Mr. Macnow was on here on Tuesday, and he yep. brought up a story. You talked about the, the good end of the business. You covered the America's Cup for the Inquirer, didn't you? I did. What was that like? And it was in Australia? I covered it. Well, I've covered it before Australia. I covered it in Newport when it was in Newport a couple of times. Right. And I, I was one of the few, like... Uh, sailing writers i guess in the united states the america's <laughs> cup writers it you know i lived in australia for over a year because of it uh because they go back and forth right uh, it remains one of my favorite sporting events <laughs> it sounds dumb but i mean i watched when australia won it after america had won it so so many years right and i went to australia and we at that this is how rich the media was at that time and i had access to a helicopter every day um, I was given a condo that I rented for a year in Australia via the Inquirer. Um, I took every day we had to pay to go out in a big, big giant cat, a catamaran as a press boat. Um, that's how much money was there. I covered it with in Australia. Um, my roommate was this guy named Mitch Album who went on to write books and everything. He's pretty good. Yeah, and, and Mitch was a pretty good friend of mine. I covered a lot of Olympics with him and, and, and America's Cups, and uh, we just had the the 
we just had a free reign in the country. We go, you know, we go Marlin fishing one day and, <laughs> and then take a helicopter out to watch the race the next day. And I'm so old when I was in Newport, one of the guys used to come out every day and I'd sit on the back of the boat with him. It was Walter Cronkite was this big, cause he was on the vineyard. Right. He'd come out every day and just to watch the races. And the best part is, Half of us didn't know what the heck was going on <laughs> because you can't tell you're in a boat. You can't sure. tell who's, who's winning the damn race. And it was, uh, I had a lot of fun doing that. I mean, I can't complain being in the media this long. I got to cover Wimbledon, which was my favorite event ever. Um, I, I've so many Stanley cup finals. How many America's Olympics? Cups. Six or seven Olympics. I mean, I've been, I was in a country that, uh, because of the inquiry. I was in the, I was in a country the last days of the country. It was called Yugoslavia. And then we left. Sorry, you know, right? It was like, I, I knew there was something up because in addition, you couldn't get any good food. You, you couldn't, uh, it was like guys with arm, and there were armed guards everywhere. I'm like, something's going on in this place. <laughs> right. Sure enough, sure enough, we left. So it was a, it was a great time to be in the media. I, I got involved with ESPN. I was with ESPN over a decade at the very beginning of hockey. Right. And it was like, uh, I was one of the first, you know, print people to do TV. Yeah. And I was at the beginning of that. Now I don't know that I ever get a job like that, but at the time they were like my, one of my, one of my mentors in, in Boston was a guy named Will McDonough, right. who was one of the first print guys to go to TV. And I I grew up with Peter Gammons, Bob Ryan. They were kind of the old, the elder statesmen. Um, so, I mean, it was a, it was a hell of a ride. And me and Leslie Visser and Dan Shaughnessy were like, and Kevin DuPont were like uh, these cub reporters and boy, we, we timed our careers perfect. Yeah. It, it was a great time and it was a great time as a young reader to read you, the Inquirer sports section with you and Mac now and Cataldi and Stark. Jason Stark, yeah, Jason was, uh, I was the best man at Jason's wedding. We had a we had a pretty good group going there, and some of us uh, made that transition to other things, which I think is part of the reason that, that the um, the newspapers failed. When when Jason and I and Angelo and Glenn told them we were doing some radio stuff, they wanted to put the kibosh on it because they didn't see the future. And they just had this Ivy, Ivy Tower outlook that we're better than everything else and didn't want to budge, and it, it's cost them dearly. And it really has cost them. Al Morgani from the 94 WIP Morning Show and NBC Sports Philadelphia. Al, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for joining me, and uh, enjoy the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. All right, no worries. Thanks. Thanks, Al. Back after okay, this on Work on the Beat. Kevin Cooney. Each week, the Work on the Beat podcast with Mike Kern and I brings the hottest topics into this sports craze town with the people and the events that shape the landscape. Now, your business could connect with those people by advertising on the Work on the Beat podcast. Join us at 267-546-7277 or email us at workingthebeat at gmail.com to find out how you can reach out to this growing audience. It's the best sports talk in Philadelphia, and you can be a part of it. That's 267-546-7277 or workingthebeat at gmail.com to join the Working the Beat podcast family. Our thanks to Al Morgani for joining us here on Working the Beat. Al, um, obviously one of the brighter minds when it comes to hockey, but he can talk anything. He talked baseball a little bit, and we talked about the business, and we welcome Mr. Kern into this conversation. Mike, you would have enjoyed it. It would have. Uh... You know what I always liked about Al was, and Al's an acquired taste, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, he can turn some people the wrong way, just because, but he comes from like left field. 
sometimes. Yeah. You know, I remember when he would be on Daily News Live and, and he would have like a viewpoint on something that you kind of never thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know he does that a lot on Angelo's show. Um, and sometimes it's, it's good and sometimes it's not as good, but he always kind of gave you something to think about. Yeah. You know, and I enjoyed that, you know. It's so good. I, it's it's good to think sometimes. Yeah, it's good to think outside of your box. Yeah, I agree. You know, we all have boxes. We all have, you know, and Dick Girardi was like that a lot of times. Uh, you know, Dick would just mm. kind of come from a side you didn't see him coming from, and and you go, hmm, I never thought of that. Let me let me peruse that and, and <laughs> see what you know what I think. Um, well, we. We talked hockey and, and, and with Al to start, so I'm going to switch things up, and I'll move to the Sixers. No, do hockey, man. You want to do they're, hockey? They're the, they're the best thing in Philadelphia right I, now. <laughs> okay. I mean, no, a, no when you do hockey. We'll do the Sixers after we'll hockey. We'll do the Sixers after hockey, and then we'll Actually, get. Actually, you should do the Phillies after hockey. Well, because <laughs> I, I know I'm going to tee up on the bullpen. Uh, hey, they won. Hey, look, their closer is good. Apparently, yeah. Um, but yeah, they've got issues. But hey, we knew this in in March. It's all right. They they beat the Yankees two straight. Life well, is good. Well, no, they beat the Yankees two out of four. But they won the last two games. No, they didn't. There was a they game won the in between. Game in a doubleheader, right? No, they won the first game in a doubleheader. Ah, you're right. My my bad. My bad. I I'm getting carried. Okay, they beat the Yankees two out of the last three. Yeah. Okay, that's not bad. Um, no, Yankees are good. I'll actually, I'll actually start with the Phillies because of the fact that Al, bro- Al brought up he's worried about Kingery and Hoskins more than anything at this point. I said that the other day, and I got poo-pooed by it when we were on with Glenn, and that's fine. It, 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 well, I, I I'm, giving, I'm giving Kingery, and I said this with Al, I'm giving Kingery a little bit more of a pause because he, he had his summer camp cut short because of the COVID sure. stuff. Yeah, You know... I really am worried about Hoskins right now. I, I well, agree. St- stick with Kingery for one second. Go ahead. I like Kingery. I do too. I, I never quite understood why they gave him that big contract when they did, but okay, it, it was whatever. The reasons I understand. And he has played like 35 different positions, you know, under the former manager. Um, I think he's a good player. I don't know if he's a, a really good player, like, you know, somebody that, could carry, you know, want to be one of the guys kind of that could sort of carry your club. But mm-hmm. I do worry a little bit about him. But in this season, it's hard to get gauges on people. You know, they've given him second base. So let's see what he does with it. Um, but I'm, and you're right. He had the coronavirus. We don't know what the hell that does to people or, or you know, what you're dealing with. But I, a year and a half ago, I was really kind of high on him. Um, and now I'm just kind of like you said, put it on pause. I'm looking up their numbers here as we talk. I mean, I think the thing with Kingery, I think the thing with when you look at when you look at the problems they have as a group, um, I, I'm worried about the idea with that they there there's uh, with, with with Hoskins especially that they're not aggressive enough. That that I need Reese Hoskins to be an aggressive hitter. He's hitting one thirty six right now, and yes, he has a three eighty seven on base percentage. Well, that's why he's not an aggressive hitter, Kevin. He's right. hitting one thirty six. Well, he has nine walks right now, but you right. need him. He has no homers. He has one RBI. Granny's out of the two hole, 
You need him to be a power hitter. The way this lineup is structured, you need him to provide the muscle along with Harper and Romuto. And they don't have it right now. And and that's going to be a problem if they don't get it quick. He is so lost right now that you don't need him to be a power hitter. You, you just need him to be a hitter. Like, you got to take baby steps. Uh, he is so screwed up in whatever it is he's trying to. Look, the Yankees bat judge second. And I, th- I think, in my mind, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. But I understand the premise that he's our best hitter. We get, him get him up him as up many as- times as possible yeah, and with a man that's on. That's not how I – I'm an old school guy. No, he's I agree. Batting, he's batting third or fourth in my lineup. But I, I, Hoskins is just like – I don't know why anybody would walk him. Why wouldn't you throw him pitch, a pitcher? You know, um, and I don't know how he comes out of it, Kevin. I mean, we heard, you know, they got a new batting coach, the new manager – um, and he looks just as lost. And, you know, it's like the new wave of baseball as you get into these analytics and the launch angle and the this and the that. And, you know, I wouldn't have messed around with Reese Hoskins coming off, you know, mm-hmm. his start a few years ago. Um, but maybe he's going to turn into, uh, you know, Brown. And, and, and to be honest, all this stuff that they that John Malley did to make him more of a cerebral hitter, there are t- some guys who you hate saying it hit dumb better. I mean, you know, who don't that you can overthink it. You can well, you can really overthink it, and I think that's what's happening with Hoskins. Well, the other thing too is Kevin. I think like in any sport, or, but especially baseball, pitchers get a book on you after a certain point. Yeah, and they you don't know, adjust. You come up that yeah, you come up that first time. It's like when a pitcher, you know, we see pitchers they go through their first time through the league, and they're really good, mm-hmm. and then maybe you know then then people start having a book on them and this is what they do or yeah, whatever. And um, so, yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe that's part of it. Maybe they start pitching them differently. And um, I don't know. I mean, you were down there more often than I was obviously, but something's wrong. And the thing is, is he going to come out of it or is he never going to come out of it? Because if he never comes out of it, he's going to go down as one of those, a failure. Right. I mean, really, um, but it, this is what, when we were talking the other day with Glenn, and I said, this is my perception of the Phillies team right now. Mm-hmm. And you could, they don't have that many good players. No, and, and, you know, it's funny, you, you're you talking about this, and I know the sample size is still real small. Yeah. And if it's all April, we're not as worried about it. But let me run down some numbers here. Segura, 182. Hoskins, 136. McCutcheon, 136. Kingery, 083. These are guys who have played six and seven games. It's not like that. It's not like it's not like the first. It's not like day one or day two. I mean, these are guys who have played pretty much every day to this point and who haven't been able to to get it going. And some of them, you you know how it is. I mean, I don't think all four of those guys are going to. Yeah, here's here's my perception. They the they need a bust out from somebody soon. But here's the problem with the Phillies is, and, and they're 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 up against the the luxury tax or whatever. Right. They have to sign their catcher, or maybe they won't. I, I don't. To me, they have, and I look at their team. They have Harper. They have Riamolto, and pretty much. And, and I'll, I'll I'll say DD because I think DD's a pretty good player. And you got to resign DD. Yeah, you got to resign him. What else do they have? And I don't Nothing. want people throwing McCutcheon at me. McCutcheon is six years removed from his MVP season, and he's coming off an injury. Do I think he's a great guy to have in your clubhouse? Absolutely. And he can help you on the field. 
But don't tell me that McCutcheon is like uh, a core guy, so to speak. Uh, Kingery right now is not that. Segura certainly is not that. Hoskins is not that. Center field, as you've said, is kind of uh, who knows. So when you have a team and you're and you're telling us that hey, we think we can be pretty good or we can contend for whatever, right? And you basically have Rio Molto and Harper. I'll, I'll even give you Norris. Norris looks like he can be a decent guy coming out in the ninth. Well, inning. and you know your core pieces of your of your rotation are sure Noah Noah, Noah and, and Wheeler. Wheeler. And, and maybe Aaron Nola's a two, but Wheeler's a one. Right, but you still have two good pitchers. But I'm saying in baseball, so we just went down a 28-man roster or a 25-man. Maybe get seven. guys that yeah. you're really excited about. Um, And that could change in a month. And, what, and what's alarming, Mike, is there's not much coming from behind. Maybe Spencer no, Howard. Your minor leagues have stunk forever. Maybe Spencer Howard, maybe Alec Bohm, and that's it. Yeah, you hope, but given the history of them – you're not even sure about that. Uh, and and then, like you said, we have to go out in the offseason. We. I know, I hate it when people say we. The Phillies okay, have to Okay, go Barrett. They have to. What are they going to do? Let, let's say for the sake of argument, they either don't make the playoffs or, or they make or they barely make them. And, and, you know, and look, the Braves. God, if you can't beat the Braves this year, you might never beat the Braves because half their team's hurt or, you know, whatever. Oh. Um. So you got to go out in the offseason and make your team better for next year, okay, mm. with limited resources. Do you sign Riamolto? Because if you sign Riamolto, that's probably going to limit what you can do in other things. They're going to need some starting pitching. They are. Yeah. They're going to need bullpen help. That doesn't even address any other position where you might say, let's say Hoskins stinks this year, or the center field situation never clears up, mm-hmm. or Segura stinks at third. Well, I, all of a sudden, you're looking at a team that we thought was on the upswing, um, and now maybe you're not so sure of that. And, and you're right, and, and I'm not, and, and that is what I think. You know, we've talked about the GM a lot here in the last couple of years, and, and critiquing his performance. You know, I don't think anything happens at the end of the year. You and I have talked about this in the even past. if okay, I got you. I think the pandemic buys them another year. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I had somebody who, you know, I trust kind of as a scout tell me, you know, really, there, you know, he thinks it's not beyond the realm that there's an, an organizational overview after these 60 games and wondering where the hell they're going as an organization oh, and, and that there could this, be Kevin. a change. The Yankees have been a pretty good team over the last decade. I know they haven't won a World Series. Mm-hmm. New York people would probably tell you they've been a disappointment. But, you know, the, the, the last few years they've, they've you know been right there. They've been pretty good. How the hell do they have all these minor league prospects that just keep coming up? Like they you, invest in the fa- you invest in the scouting system. In- okay. But the Phillies have been drafting higher than the Yankees for a decade. Well, the Moniac, uh, the Moniac pick is a disaster. But there's been a lot of picks. Yeah. You would know better than I would because you know. Well, he's. I mean, Hazley was the number one pick right after that, and uh, the 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 second first round pick of the Clintac yeah. era, and he's up. Yeah. I mean, and he, he does what for you? Uh, well, that's another question. Well, but the, if the the whole point of finishing having five bad years in a row mm-hmm. is that you should be able. It's like the Phillies in the early two thousands. 
when they got a Howard and they got an Utley and they got a Jimmy Rollins and mm-hmm. they got a Cole Hamels. So you suffered for five years or six years, but then you had these guys who eventually won a World Series, went to another World Series. You know, do you see that happening with no. these guys? No, not at I, all. It's hard to see that. You may you may scrape a wild card out of this group, but that's about it. In a normal year, maybe you get in as one of the maybe you get in this year in a fluke uh, because they're taking two the top two teams in each division. Um, I don't know. Uh, I believe the Marlins will come back to earth at some point. Uh, yeah, they're six and one and leading the division right now. Uh, but yeah, I, I in, in all good consciousness, I can't see anything coming out. I mean, of this all the most of the good pieces on this team, not all of them. I mean, Noah obviously was was a homegrown guy. Um, most of the good pieces on this team have either been traded for or they got through free agency. And now you're looking at a situation where you're shortstop and your catcher who are. The catcher might be the best player on the team, or right. certainly the second best player. DD, I, I got to believe, is you know one of your better players, and they, you may not have them next year. No, you may not. Um, that's the other scary thought: is that, I mean, can you imagine if in the off season they don't sign the catcher or Gregorius? Yeah, but the catcher more. Oh, the catcher is mean, an absolute must sign. You're right. Right, but, but if they don't, and then. The flip side of that is if they do, then they're going to tell you they're going to turn around and say they have no money for a lot of other things. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, switch to the Sixers at this point. Um, right, but before you do that, yeah. what do you think of Wheeler so far? Well, it's two starts. He's looked really good in both. Yeah, um, and Noel looked really good the other night. He did. And people who are criticizing Girardi for taking him out at that point, you know, 88 pitches is not a lot. I get it. Um, it but, was a 1-1 game, right? Yeah, and the thing there is, even if you leave him out for that seventh, he hasn't. But he hasn't pitched in ten days. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, you're yeah. After right. a short camp, I mean, you've seen all these injuries with pitchers, right? You, you can't necessarily do what you would normally do. I mean, he looked really sharp, I thought. Um, and and I thought Wheeler after that, you know, didn't have a great start, and he's looked pretty good. I mean, so. Yeah, you keep your fingers crossed that the, the Wheeler thing works out. Right. Um, and then at least you have two pretty good arms at the top of your rotation, which, yeah, hey, look, and all you need is somebody. And to you're going to see Spencer program. Howard on Sunday, so it sounds like. Yeah. So. And Eflin did look bad last night. No, he didn't. You know, but again, we know that can change whatever. And, and what could help their bullpen is if they do move Velasquez and Pavetta back full-time to the bullpen. I've no. been hearing that for two years. I, well, but they have. Well, they haven't done it with Velasquez. I know, but I keep hearing that that's what they're going to do. No, that's what they wanna, should do. He doesn't want to do that, right? No, the Phillies don't want to do that. No, I heard that Velasquez didn't, sees himself as a starter and doesn't. Oh, no, that's be fine. That Wonderful. Yeah. Here's your paycheck. You're doing what we tell you. Right, but he's got to buy into that. You, you know, he's got to say, "Okay, okay, here's your buy-in. You either buy in or you're in Lehigh Valley." Or you either buy in or you're looking for a new job. No, you're right, Kevin. But what I'm saying is, well, that, but that's the way they they have to think. Yeah, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that the player has to think that. I'm saying the team has to think that. Right. The team right. has to understand they have that hammer. They have never exercised the hammer on him, really. Yeah. And see, I don't even think it's a hammer per se. I think he would be better in the bullpen. That's just me. I I think if he's like your eighth inning guy, I don't I know. Have- I don't know. How do I seventh say inning? I would keep him in the sixth or the seventh. Okay, and and, and 
this sounds cold. Like we've seen the meltdowns too much that I don't know how he would handle the eighth or the ninth. Okay, fair enough. I you know I mean that that's all my the fact that little stuff rattles him as a starter makes me feel like he putting him in the eighth or ninth is a bad move. Okay, fair enough. That that's just my opinion. Uh, yeah. Will we see Ben Simmons the rest of this bubble? I, I don't know what, what exactly dislocated I, I, kneecap. My personal opinion is no, because why? Uh, you know, I, I agree with you. I would say yeah. that. What are they saying? They are sending him. They are getting opinions for him. I mean, doesn't a dislocated kneecap sound fairly? Uh, like, sounds significant. Yeah. Like a month. Yeah. I don't know. Or, Which or, means you would I, have to get through the first round. And uh, without Simmons, I don't think they get through the first round. Well, uh, they, they look. They probably would. Could you win a series without him? Uh, look, it, anything can probably happen, and B could go nuts. Um, you know, they may figure out a way to win, but they're not going to make that long run. And here's the thing, though: even if he comes back, what's he going to be at that point? You know, I, I my take on all this is: even though in a shortened kind of season thing like this, like or shortened that anything's possible, mm-hmm. I would not risk my future with a 24- or 25-year-old guy for this. Well, it, you know. and I think I think the issue then becomes, you know, we've talked about, like, whether Simmons and Embiid can play next to each other long-term and, and be the core of a, a championship nu- nucleus. It was funny. Jeff Van Gundy was on 97.5 yesterday and said he thinks the talent of the Sixers is overrated. He thinks that just you look at it, he thinks they're not as talented as everybody believes they are. But there's also well, there's also appears to be a chemistry issue in what's going on here. Um and, and whether that's the head coach's problem or, or, or whatever, the pieces haven't fit together right. And I think what you find out now through the rest of this playoff is what can Joel Embiid do kind of by himself and you can see where you go from there. You know, we've talked about this future where maybe Embiid or Simmons ends up somewhere else. This may be the first indicator of what, what you could expect if you do move one. I, I, I don't think the Sixers are going to trade either one of them. I, I think it would have to be – you keep bringing this up and other people I, – I, I don't see it. When you have two of the best – I don't think players, you're doing it this offseason because you're going to have a new head coach. Yes. You're not going to do anything this offseason, but – Well, the it, head coach – well, the head coach, yeah, sure. Um, and even if you bring a new guy in, you know, one season may not be enough. I, I don't know. I just don't see them. Look, you know what Embiid's going to give you? He's already showed you in a couple. He had 40 and 20 to one night. He had 35 and something another night. I mean, he's going to get his. There, there, there's little doubt of that. Uh, you know, so how are the Sixers under, uh, like, uh, if they're not talented, Embiid is is a has been an all star mm-hmm. for a couple times. Simmons ben's has been, been an all star. Ben's been an all star. Um, Tobias has been an all star. Um, you know, Horford was a fairly important part of Boston. But I I could see where they say that maybe Al Horford at this point in his career is not enough. That's fine. That that's that's all well. And but good. you are counting on Sheik Milton and Josh sure. Richardson and oh, yeah. But when they got Josh Richardson, all I kept hearing was how, oh, my, yeah, we hear things, 
Like, you know, and I don't follow the NBA well enough to know everybody on every team and what they are and how they – but, you know, it was like, oh, Josh Richards is going to come here and be this. Okay. You know, I, I don't know. Um, I still think, to me, Ben's the point guard. Whether you like it, don't like it, whatever, he's your starting point guard. Um, it was a better team. We said this in the offseason. I thought it was a better team last year Mm -hmm. with J.J. and and Butler, but that wasn't going to happen because J.J. wasn't going to be here and Jimmy didn't want to be here. So um, I almost think it was a better team two years ago when they had Ilyasova and and Farinelli or whatever his name was. uh, Yeah. I mean, remember, we we keep kind of forgetting that this team last year almost beat Toronto Mm -hmm. without Embiid really having a great series. Um, and it went to a game seven in Toronto and a four bounce yeah. basketball. Who was the best so, player on the Sixers though that during that series? It was probably Jimmy. Yeah. But, he's, but what I'm saying is, you know, they they were pretty good, and and you know we we thought they we all thought they were going to be either the first or second seed in the East this year. We all did. Nobody said they were going to be the fifth or sixth seed in the East. No, nope, nobody thought that. I didn't. I didn't necessarily think they were better than the Bucks. But we certainly thought they were going to be better than just a, you know, but probably better than Boston, probably better than Toronto. Mm-hmm. What or not? <laughs> I would say the most distress, disturbing thing in my mind after watching the first three games in the bubble, and this could change, but the lack of interest it seems like they have right now as a group and playing together. I mean, they're letting, yeah, they they won the last two, okay. They let two bad teams hang around for a long, long time in San Antonio and Washington. That's why the coach is going to be gone. But, but doesn't answered, that, but, answered, yeah, but that's why. But the doesn't coach that speak to the character of, the, of, of? I mean, they've been it's, given this fresh start, and yeah. It's, first of all, I don't think the Sixers in this eight games really have anything to to play for. You know, it's not that big of a deal if you're the six, the five, the four. Um, and trying to get them excited about that probably is a chore. And and, and we've seen before where we questioned. Oh, some these of next that, like, five these next five games could be with with Simmons out now, these next five games could be yeah, but, unwatchable. Right, but I guess what I'm saying, Kevin, is that they're not really meaningful in the sense that you're really not playing for something where you're going home. Or man, we got to get this two seed because the two seeds. Yeah, it's there's nothing like that, and we've seen before where Joel and sometimes Ben might not show up. Yeah, we've seen that. I mean, it, it you know over a course of eighty games, we see that. So I, what's what's going to matter to me is when they play that series that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's against Miami, whether it's against Indiana, whether it's against Boston, um, and then we're going to find out what their sense of urgency is. As fr- um, as Friday morning begins, they're a half game behind Indiana for the five spot. Yeah, um, they have to beat Indiana outright. How how far are they behind? They can't catch Miami. Well, it doesn't matter. If yeah, they, they can Miami. catch Miami, but they're, it doesn't they're matter. A game, they're a game and a half behind Miami. They cannot. Well, I shouldn't say they can't catch Boston, but Boston is four games up on them. Well, they're not going to catch a team that's four up with five to play. Right. Um, that ain't going to happen. So There's a mathematical shot, but it's not going to happen. They're probably going to play either Miami or Boston. Right. So, okay. And they can't fall to seven. They're nine games up on Brooklyn. Who's and if the they seven. don't have Simmons, they're not going to be favored to do much. I mean, th- that doesn't mean they couldn't win a series without them. Um, do you think they could beat know. the Celtics without Simmons? 
<sighs> I don't know. I mean, you know, you, you, the reason you don't know, I mean, look, they're not going to be fit, but you don't know who might step up, Kevin. Like, what if Shake Milton just has a great series? Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I don't know this. I, I, don't I don't think they'll get swept, but I don't see him beating them. Yeah, but what I'm saying is you just don't know. Right. Like, like you know, maybe Embiid goes nuts. Maybe Tobias Harris goes nuts. Um, maybe Josh Richard. Maybe who? Maybe Horford goes nuts. Yeah, I I wouldn't pick them probably. But now, now, do I think they could win the series after that if it was Toronto or or Milwaukee? No, I think that would be a much tougher assignment. I think Toronto is pretty good. I, I think people. I think really Toronto. I think Toronto's coming out of the East. Yeah, I, I don't think people are giving them a lot of. And no, I, I agree. The Bucks coach and and the and Billy Donovan were co-coach of the year and 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 built, they've done. But boy, I'll tell you something. That Toronto coach did did a Nick Nurse yeah, is awesome. Lose, you lose like the third best player on the planet or second best player on the planet or wh- wherever he fits in, and you're still this good, man. They've won that, seven. In, they've won seven in a row. So four since the uh, seeding games began, and they yeah. won yeah, I mean, the final. Think three. about some of the coaches in the East, Kevin. Now I don't know the guy from the Bucks very well, and he does have Giannis. I get it, but he also but played. He also did really well in Atlanta. To, uh, yeah, and he does. He does a good holster. job. Nick Nick Nurse obviously does a great job. Spolstra is it does a fantastic, and, and the guy on Boston, who, Brad Stevens. You know, I know. He had, I, I mean, those four guys, and the guy in Indiana is not bad either. Nate McMillan. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, there's some pretty good coaches, and I'm not saying Brett doesn't match no. up with them. Right? No, but, but I'll, I'll say it. Brett doesn't match up with him. There you go. Brett doesn't match up with him. I mean, Brett's not. The Eastern Conference has become a coach's conference. And they don't match up. They don't. You know know what this Simmons thing does, though? And I was thinking about this after it happened. It gives them an excuse. Oh, sure. Because, you know. If they want to keep Brett, yeah. I I could see that as an excuse. I, I mean, for anything, though. Even if they don't want to keep Brett. But I'm just saying it gives them an excuse to say, hey. Yeah, who I knows agree. what we would have done in the playoffs? You know, oh, and I'm yeah. like, oh, well, okay, I can't argue because even if Ben comes back, well, Ben came back and he was injured. Yeah, no. I mean, they caught, think about this. This is going to sound really stupid. The pandemic, they caught the biggest break of the pandemic because they they're off for four and a half months and they get Simmons back. If the playoffs had been the playoffs, mm-hmm. Ben wasn't playing. Yeah, and they probably would have got bounced in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's who they were. They were to succeed. Uh, um, and, and, and now Ben's maybe not playing, and they make it personal. That yeah, so they get the break, and then they don't get the break, and then you know, and and I, I, it seems to me, all things considered, it's going to be hard to bring Brett back. That's just me. unless God forbid they they figure out a way and win a couple series, um, you know, uh, then maybe the ownership pauses. I don't know. I, who knows? Um. All right, let's get back to the Flyers here for a second. I mean, obviously, the, it's a it's a strange to say a round robin game that puts you either in the one or the two seed is is going to be fascinating. But the idea that uh, you know, the Flyers and, and Lightning will play tomorrow night with the number one seed on the line, maybe a game, you know, setting up maybe a series against Montreal in the first round if Montreal can finish off Boston or uh, Pittsburgh. But right now, I, I almost get the sense watching them it doesn't matter who the opponent is that their style is their style and their style is going to be difficult for anybody to play against them with you know yeah you're right 
Uh, Dirt, look, I, I don't know my hockey. I mean, I know hockey, but I don't know it as well as some people. They were the best team in the league at the time the hmm. thing hit. They've come back. Nobody knew what was going to happen. In the two games so far, they've looked very good. They've given up a goal in each game, uh, you know, with two different goalies. They look like they're getting – I mean, the thing that amazes me, Kevin, I wasn't aware of this till last night I saw a stat – they lead the league in least amount of shots on goal per game. Yeah. And I didn't realize that. If the other team is getting fewer chances than you, well, that's a pretty good advantage, I would think. Um, mm-hmm. And their defense doesn't really get a lot of credit. I know um, the other well, day. Well, it, it does get a lot of credit now, but it, it was no, overlooked Glenn at the beginning them, of the year. And, and Al gave them, obviously. I think we as fans, though, you tend to focus on the offensive end. You know, you say, okay, they're getting this from this guy, and, you know, Couturier's giving them this, Drew's giving but their defense, and, and, and uh, Glenn pointed that out the other day on our podcast, is really playing well. And I'm telling you, look, it, it, I, it scares me to say this. They've got – I still think Tampa's the better team, regardless of what happens in Saturday's game, whether they turn out to be the one or the two. And the playoffs, you can lose to anybody. You know, Carolina gets hot all of a sudden, and you're playing – Carolina's Carolina. pretty good. Right. So you can lose to anybody. I mean, that's just the NHL. But right now, you would have to say – and I would have said this at the end before the pandemic came. You know, I don't know much about the West. I'm not – I don't keep up as much with the West teams. They're definitely obviously one of the best four teams in the East or five teams. Um, and they have the Caps number. So you would think if they played the Caps, they've got a pretty good chance of beating the Caps. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston, I don't know. You know, Boston's pretty good. Boston but, may have been hurt by the, the layoff. The, the layoff sure. appears to have taken some of the starts Probably. out of But, I mean, the Flyers are – let's say it all together now. A legitimate Stanley Cup contender. Yeah. What that means, I don't know. Except for the fact now, I think if they were to lose before the Eastern Finals, I think people would be disappointed. And that's why I think actually it's strange if they get the number one seat. As great as Mon- as great as Montreal has played against the Penguins, it's been more the Penguins letting them off the hook. I think the Flyers would have a pretty good time with the Canadians. Um, I will want to avoid Carolina as much as possible. Um, you know, as one of them wild card teams that that may get hot. Uh, Rob Brendamore's the coach; he he knows what he's doing. Their goaltending is not great, but it, it's good enough. Um, yeah, there's no reason this team can't come out of the East. There's no but reason this team can't. See, come it goes out. back to what you said at the beginning, though, and and I don't really. It it's up to the Flyers. It's more about how they're playing. They seem yeah. like they're really together. They're, this coach, they're really into whatever this coach is selling, and he's done it before. He's taken two teams to finals, I think early in his tenure with those teams, if I'm not mistaken, yep. because the knock on, on Vigneault was that he wears on people after a while. That's a lot of hockey coaches. Yeah, that was Mike Keenan. That uh, was, we mentioned that know. with Al. Al mentioned yeah. that Vigneault is not as explosive as – uh, Keenan was that Keenan yeah. was Keenan came across almost as petty a little bit, and Vigneault, whenever he sits a guy down, it's because you know he he feels like he bases it off of a hey, you know, the funny issue. thing. The funny thing is, Kevin, we look at teams sometimes and we'll say, well, they're still not there yet. Like, yeah, I mean, if you're looking objectively at the Flyers, you would say they have a future. So if they don't win it this year, you know, it, it's okay. Sometimes you can't say that because we don't know what's good. It's like the sure. Phillies won. In, Phillies won in 2008 before we really thought they were ready to win it, 
and then they never won again. They came close. The Eagles in 17, we didn't think they were ready. It was Wentz's second year, you know, and and then they won it. Um, And they might not win it for a while. Who knows? So I look at it as this is you have a chance. Yeah, and in the West, in the West, you, in the West, you would look at St. Louis, Vegas, and Colorado as the three teams. That I don't you care about, about the West. I know you get me to the finals. I'll play whoever the hell shows up. Give me the seventy-two Canadians. I don't care never, if you get to the finals. This is a team that hasn't won a playoff series since twelve. Yeah, has been in one final in the last twenty-three years. Yeah. Okay, I'll take whatever. And that was I a get. fluke. But they did it. Yeah. They, hey, it was great. They did it. Uh, I'll take anything, uh, you know, I, just give me what, what you give me. And you know what it is, is interesting, Kevin, they're a fun team to watch. Now I yeah. understand a lot of that has to do with the fact that they're winning, you know, winning begats, whatever, but they're an interesting, fun team to watch. And it's not like you're just watching Drew anymore No, or you're not watching. I mean, they, they, they sat Van Riemsdyk the other night, Yeah, you know, for, and, 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 and Lawton comes in and is playing well and, and, Guys that you know you haven't really you don't really know a lot about if you're just a casual fan, and man, it, it's just I, and, and I, they put, just, and the most important thing is they put the umbrella up around the goaltender and the goaltender is good enough yeah. to live like that. Yeah, both of them, both Elliot and him. This because I'm going to mush them. I, I don't want. I, I hate. They just have the feel that there's something special there. And Al said that it's not just this run. It feels like there's something building here going forward. Well, that too, but I don't care about the building. Right. Yeah, we'll worry about that in December or January or whenever they start playing again because things are so fragile. You know, the the, the Oklahoma City Thunder made the finals the one year. Yeah, they did. And and we thought, oh, my God, this team's going to be poo. And, well, shit when, the, shit, when the Flyers made it in 10, you looked and you went, well, you got Giroux, you got Richards, you got Carter, you got all these young right. guys, and yeah, they got hot, and, and they never right. did crap after that. Well, you that. said it. It was a fluke, but it, it was, was a, a fluke. great fluke. It was yeah. a great fluke. You know, the Eagles in 17, we, we've we've still not wrapped our heads around the fact it was a fluke. Yeah. I, I mean, it wasn't a fluke that they beat the Patriots. It wasn't a fluke that they, they did what they did. But that everything the, came together perfectly for that one year. With yeah. all those injuries. With everybody that went down, and and they should have, they could have lost to the Falcons at home, uh, you know, very easily, and they didn't. And then they whooped, you know, the Vikings, and and Nick Foles outplays Tom Brady. Um, Tom and Tom Brady threw for five hundred. Yeah, it, it wasn't like Tom Brady stunk that day, and it just happened, and 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 like like oh eight kind of just happened. It was. You know, the Phillies won, I think it was, what, 23 of their last 29 games that year? Some goofy number. Yeah, and, and took care of the Dodgers and, and the Brewers both in right. quick order. And didn't order. have to play the Red Sox and didn't have to play the Cubs. And did, But th- those things happen, but that's okay. They played who they played, and they beat who they beat, and it was great. And and if this happens this year for the Flyers, and I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing, but if this happens and they make a really long run, you know, Eastern Conference Finals at least. It's going to be fun, man. I mean, yeah, it's well, to, you know, we need this. We need this. Um, you know, I was thinking of the subject. The Flyers fan base has been tormented because they've had a lot of close calls in this run since 75. And, and it's... 75? Since 75. <laughs> since the run yeah, in 75. Baby. Think about it. 76. I know. 80. 85. 85 87. 87 97, 97. And, and then 10. 
And there were a lot of years. Yeah, you, know, you, you lost Pelly. You, you, you know, you you had the the, the stickle offsides call. You, I mean, Flyer fans have been tormented. They've had a lot of great play, but it's been tormented. And I was thinking about this because I watched the Maple Leafs last night. Okay, Maple Leafs had a three nothing lead over uh, Columbus in the third period. Ended up losing four three in overtime, and they're on the brink of getting eliminated. And they haven't won a cup since '67. That is correct. And they haven't been to a final since then. No, because they lost a couple West Finals. To, they lost the one West Final, the Gretzky. They had Game 7 on home ice. And yeah, I mean, they're a pretty tormented. Given the passion of that fan base in Toronto, that's a tormented fan base. Um, Kevin, think about this. The Canadians haven't won since 93. They have won two. Since seventy nine, when they had that dynasty, that, that yeah, eighty eighty six and ninety two. Yeah. For them, that's like twenty seven years without a. How cup. about the whole country of Canada hasn't won one since ninety three? Well, that is correct. But how many finals? I'm not even sure Montreal's been in a final since ninety three. No, they haven't. Uh, that's that's so that would be like the Yankees going twenty with a great goaltender. They've had Carey Price that's there for true. a long yeah, time, yeah. and yeah, everybody right. talks about the goaltender part. They had a great goaltender for Price in a lot of those years, and yeah, you know yeah. uh, it didn't happen. We're not the only tormented city in the world. Well, Cleveland, absolutely, Cleveland, Buffalo. You know, Buffalo, I mean, Buffalo. Now, don't have, Buffalo doesn't have, and Cleveland don't have four sports teams, so it is a little different. Um, but yeah, those two cities are. I mean, Cle- Cleveland won obviously in sixteen with the with the Indians, yeah. but no, with LeBron. I'm sorry, with LeBron. But the Indians have had two World Series where they were agonizingly close and, and, and yeah. lost. They lo- Actually, they three. 95, they lost to the Braves in six. 97, 97 they lost, they game, lost seven. game seven to the Marlins. And in uh, 16, they lost to the Cubs That was the Jose home. Mesa year, right? Yeah. The Jose Mesa, yeah. And 16, they lost to the Cubs at home in game seven after having a 3-1 lead in the series. And then tying the game at six in, in the, um, yeah. the ninth inning, I guess. Or the, then there was a rain delay, right? Yeah, then the rain delay, and then the Zobrist uh, double down the line. Right. I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of cities that I think – the one thing I've noticed, it, there's not a lot of West Coast cities that go through torture like this. Um, no, no, I mean, I'll, I'll give you another city. How about Atlanta? Yeah. What the hell? I mean, the Braves won in 95, and they won like 35 mm. division titles and won one World Series. And then the Falcons meltdown in the Super Bowl. Falcons, yeah, I mean, if, I, I, I think it's different when you're a four-for-four four city. Um, you know, like when you're Chicago, a Philly, a, and, and, and New York's different because New York has at least two teams in every sport. <clears throat> so there's a little bit of a difference there. But um, you can say like a, Jet, like a Jets fan. Yeah. I mean, you know. The greatest moment in my life, Joe Namath winning the Super Bowl, and they, that's been 50 years. Um, but, yeah, Philadelphia's not we, – we have our share of misery. Um, you were talking actually, Atlanta, by the way. Think yeah. about it. The, Atlanta had a, a top 30 NBA player, I would say, in Dominique Wilkins. Never got to a final. Never got close to a final, I don't think. Did they get – well, yeah, the Celt- well, the Celtics were always in their way. That was, that was the The problem. Celtics and the Pistons and the Bulls. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean that's it was like the Bucks teams back in the in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. They they had to deal with the Celtics and the Sixers. Those Bucks teams were some fantastic teams, and you never even heard of them. 
because nobody remembers those teams. Um, but they were really good. They had, you know, Moncrief and, and guys like that. David Myers, I think, was on those teams. They, they were very good. Yeah, but they, they won what? 74 they won a title? 71. Kareem and, well, Kareem Kareem. and Oscar. It was Oscar's only title. God. And then they traded, you know, Kareem like around 75, I think. Um, something like that, 75, 76. Um, but, yeah, when it's Milwaukee, you don't think of it because it's Milwaukee. No. Buffalo. And, and that's the Kareem. point when I was saying with, with the Maple Leafs. Like, the Maple Leafs, that is Canada's team. I mean, the Maple uh, Leafs, yeah, because, yeah. Of, because of the way that they are p- portrayed in Hockey Night in Canada and everything. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They have the, like, I want I want people down here to understand, and I'm not, look, I didn't cover the NHL like I covered baseball and everything, but the Toronto Maple Leafs to the NHL are, in a way, covered like the New York Yankees, okay? It's the largest city in the, in the country. Most of the media focuses on them. They have beat writers left and right coming out of nowhere, okay? Um, and... They're viewed by television audiences like the Cowboys are because every game's on television throughout the whole country. And so the idea that a franchise could be that bad for that long. Or, 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 but don't they have that real good player now? Um, well, they have Austin Matthews, yeah. Right. That's, yeah, and they, right, and they got right. Tavares from the Islanders. And right. It, it, they keep falling on their face. <laughs> Some franchises, Kevin, for whatever the reasons, it's just – you know, you just kind of look at it and go, there almost doesn't have to be a reason. It just is. Um, you know, it's funny. Like, you think of the, uh, the Dolphins. I mean, the Dolphins had the greatest season in NFL, yeah. in NFL history. And for they the last 20 they, years, they've been irrelevant. 20? The last I mean, 20. Yeah. Even when since, even Dan, Mar- since Marino left. Right. But even when Marino was there, they got to the Super Bowl in his second year, got crushed by They never got back. Um, and, and that was 85, 84. Okay. It was 84, 80, no, 85 was the bears year. They didn't play the bears. They played the, uh, they played the Niners in the Super Bowl, So it would have been 84, I believe. Um, it was like 34 to 13 was the final, something like that. But think about it. Dan Marino. I don't care what you think about how you measure quarterbacks. Dan Marino is one of the best quarterbacks that ever played. You might right. not think he was as good as Elway or Brady or, Manning or, or any other names you would throw into the mix. Dan Marino could freaking play quarterback like anybody. And he had Don Shula, that one of the greatest coaches in NFL history, and they couldn't do, do, do you want a little all. secret? Do you want a little secret? I think Don Shula is one of the most overrated coaches ever. That could be true, but he won. Oh, he won a ton games. because he was there forever, and those teams he had early in his career were incredible. Well, I'll, I'll give you that. But, I mean, he was good. He never adjusted. Never adjusted. And that's fine. But he's still he's still going to go down. If you, if you list the best NFL coaches, he's in the top five, I mean, somewhere. Um, and they could never get back to a Super Bowl. And at that point in time, for much of their time, the AFC wasn't even that good. You're the still, NFC was dominating the Super Bowl. Hold, the NFC uh, hold, like hold on. Hold on. You're still putting Shula top five? Well... When you win more games than anybody, Kevin, I don't care what you think of him or what you might say. He didn't. Okay, no. You got to be somewhere up on that list. All right. Okay? Let, let, let's go with the obvious ones. Uh, Belichick would be in there, I assume. Right. Lombardi. 
right? Walsh. I, I don't know if I'd put Walsh ahead of Shula. You, you got Kevin Shula coach Walsh won. I don't know what Walsh won. Three Walsh Super Bowls. He won three. I get it. Don, you could put Landry on the list. You could put George Hallis on the list. You could put Paul Brown on the list. Chuck Noll. There's a lot of guys you could put on the list. Chuck Noll. He won. He won more games than anybody. That counts for something. Okay. I'm, I'm just saying. I do. do you know, it, you want to say the last 15 years of his career, he underachieved or he didn't do enough. Hey, I, I'll give you that. But you know, he did have some great teams, and he did. You know, so, and they didn't do Squatola. You know, and, and like you said, for the last two decades, the Dolphins have been worse than irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, they, they've been a non-factor. Right. And, you know, a lot of that's caused because of the Patriots, too, let's be honest. But they haven't, sure. they haven't found a quarterback. They haven't, um, you know, like, it's amazing. Like, you see franchises in sports that you figure are, are in prime markets that should be good, and, and the Dolphins will fit in one of them. And they have yeah, but, but we have, but here's the difference between Philly and a place like Miami. They don't care. They don't care in Miami. I, I get Dolphins, it. No, they care about Dolphins football. They, they do. I'm Dolphins not sure they football. do anymore. Maybe not now, but they did at one point. The problem with Philadelphia is we're so passionate about everything. It's like our lives. The Phillies are maybe the worst franchise in the history of sports. Right. And they went from 1983, basically, to 2005 or six, except for 93. They were horrible almost mm-hmm. every single year. We suffered through that. I suffered through Black Friday in 77. I suffered through the Sixers owe me one, two, three, four, five. Right. We've done our share of suffering. Um, so, you know, and when you couple that with how passionate we are, I don't think any, not many cities do sports talk radio like we do. No. Some do, you know, Boston, New York, the usual suspects. But, uh, you know, the Eagles never won a Super Bowl through the first 52, 50 Super Bowls or whatever the hell it was. Um, so, yeah, I mean, well, I understand where Philadelphia fans are coming from, but there are other cities out there that are, that, you, you know. To close this out, I'm going to bring up what happened last night. Obviously, if, you, if you've watched the Phillies game, you saw that Aaron Boone got upset in the fourth inning. Yeah. Because of fans outside the gates of Citizens Bank Park. There's been a group that had been going to try to not hold gang uh, right. the games. And and that's fine. You know, out they, by Harry DeCase. Out by yeah, out by the Ashburn Alley statue, actually. Um, by the statue of Richie. And um somebody brought an air horn. And that apparently annoyed the hell out of Aaron Boone. Well, because they were they were setting it off when his pitcher was getting ready to pitch, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that also came after complaints from the Yankees that the Phillies broadcasters, I'm assuming they meant McCarthy and Davis, were too loud and distracting. Mm-hmm. Like, almost like you cover golf for years. And I get that there's an element with golf that you don't want somebody screaming on your and back. And tennis, tennis is like that, too. Tennis is like that, too. Boy, if you're a baseball... Bowl, bowling, can I throw bowling in there? <laughs> yeah, bowling. Bowl, bowl, bowl. I'm just saying. I'm, I know. Uh, you know, they don't say anything when the guy's running up to the... <laughs> um, like, really? <laughs> like, this was a problem somehow for... Uh, 
Yeah, you know it, it what? Makes, it makes it makes Aaron Boone look foolish. Well, my response would be tough crap. Um, if if there's a protocol in baseball, okay, if they put a protocol down that said fans shouldn't be able to do that, which I'm sure they never even addressed it, but whatever. Um, then fine. Then you're violating a protocol. If there's no protocol, you know what's to stop 200 fans from showing up as long as they social distance and wear masks. I, I and the thing about the broadcasters, I, I, look, I, I don't know how loud Ben was or how, how loud Tom was. Uh, are you, are you going to tell me? Well, the Yankee guys weren't there, right? They were doing it back from New York, right? Yeah, they, they, they don't travel, right? I mean, the radio my, my, guys, the radio guys were there for the Phillies, but that's it. Okay, my my response would be grow up. You know, I mean, come on, you're the, you're the Yankees. You're not bigger than that. I mean, like if one of the Phillies was yelling from the dugout, like we used to do in Little League, right? You, you know, okay, maybe you say something to the Phillies, yo, guys. You know, come on, we're we're like we're adults here. I, I mean, really, I, 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 but I think, look, I could be totally wrong too. I think there's a lot of pressure on Aaron Boone. I think there is. Yeah, they're supposed to win. Either them or the Dodgers, you know, are probably supposed to win. Um, and uh, look, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's a bad look, but but maybe he. I, I mean, I, I'd love to know what the Yankee players thought. You know, like if any, like if Aaron Judge said, "Yeah, that was really distracting in Bush League," or I could hear Tom McCarthy yelling. Uh, it seemed like it was coming just from him. It, it makes you look small. I think, especially in a place which has when we're in normal settings, some of the most vulgar fans going like, you know, if you're going to if you're going to start cracking down on stuff, be careful what you wish for. Just be careful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, like I said, I wish I had a better answer. I, I don't. It will be fascinating to see if the Phillies throw ex-security out there and try to dissuade people from coming to the end of the night. See, I think that's a bad thing. I do, too. If, if you have 10 fans. You have people who are caring about your product yeah. right now. God bless them. There's there's 10. I've seen the pictures of the people. They look like they're nice people. They're, 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 they're having observing fun. All the safety, they're observing all the safety protocols from what I can see. They look like they're having fun. You know, in a time where a lot of us are striving to figure out ways to have fun and be distracted, and you're going to like rail against. Now, look, I understand maybe from the standpoint of when the Yankee, when the visiting pitcher is, you know, maybe that's not when you want to throw the air horn, okay? Or when the guys at bat. I mean, but but if 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 Philly hits a if a Philly hits a home run or hits a double in a run, I think you should be allowed to blow your air horn. Yeah, I agree. Um. I, I don't know. I mean, so what? So somebody's going to go up to Tom McCarthy and Ben and drop a, and say, a drop hey, a window hey, in front of them. Guys, keep it down. I mean, really? I mean, look, I, I understand if, if I was in the broadcast booth talking to you, they could probably hear me because I got a big mouth. Um, but I mean, you are pretty far distance away, right? Yeah. The dugout to the it's I three. It's a, about three stories. Yes. I find that a little Hard to believe. And what, when would they have been hearing the voices? Like, Ben's not going to say anything while the play's going on. He's going to comment on the play after the play happens. Yeah. So what? You know, <laughs> I mean, Bryce, uh, so the, so Riamulto hits a three-run homer and, and Ben's going nuts or something or Tom's going nuts and that irritates 
The Yankee manager? It's really no clue. <laughs> Come on. Um, finally, Come on. finally, since we left the air the other day, I mentioned this at the beginning of the show, and I want to get Mike's, uh, you know, what happened to NBC Sports Philadelphia to some of our our friends, you know, uh, Greg Murphy, who, as I mentioned before, is who, by the way, is in COVID uh, quarantine right now. He was exposed to somebody who ended up with it. So, you know, pa- Kevin, I've in the last three or four days, I've talked to about two or three people that have been have been tested positive. Right. It's starting to get a little scarier because I didn't know anybody. Right. Now they don't have bad symptoms or anything. Yeah, you know, they have little symptoms, but they still tested positive and they're in quarantine. Right. Um. I mean, but getting back to it, like Murph is as good a guy as you would run into and has worked hard uh, on the Phillies uh, role the last couple of years, has done anything NBC Sports Philly had wanted. And unfortunately, we'll be gone at the end of the year. Serena Winters apparently will be gone at the end of the year. Um, and, and uh, yeah, Derek Gunn uh, is the big name, obviously, and he's a friend of this show and a friend of both of ours. Um Mike, I wanted to get your thoughts on what happened. Over well, there. first of all, being a nice guy or a nice girl has Doesn't, nothing to do with it. Right. Nothing to do with it. I mean, I'm just nice saying guy, from a personal, you, a personal. You're connection. a nice guy and you got whacked at yeah. your place. Yeah. I didn't get whacked at my place. I chose to walk. Uh, whether it was the right move or the wrong move, hey, yeah, whatever. It was the move. And I know other people who were nice people at the paper mm-hmm. who got whacked. A lot worse than I did, because um, they didn't want to leave. And it's the it, the business stinks. It's going to get worse because there's no advertising money. This was a move by uh, NBC uh, nationwide. Yes. It wasn't a Philadelphia move. Um, and but it won't stop my next cable bill from from going up probably, which is the really 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 sad part about all this. But it's going to get worse. My question, my biggest question is, when does it stop? Where does it stop? Like, how do you have a station or a paper or or whatever it is um, if you're going to let everybody go? Like, at what point, Derrick Gunn was important to them. Yep. After every Eagles game, he was there. He was the person. Who's going to be that person now, or will they have a person? Um, Do they care to? What's that? Do they even care to have a person? Well, I don't know this. But I I think in the scheme of their coverage or what they do, the Eagles is first and foremost, as it is with with anybody. Mm -hmm. The Eagles are the biggest story in this town, okay? I I don't know. Do do you – do is post-game live just like Michael Barkan and one person now? Do they get rid of Ray Didinger, who I think is the best person doing almost anything these days on radio or TV um, because he's Ray? Um, I don't even know who's left. Like you said, a- Amy's going on. Um, Amy will go on maternity leave, right. but she's still So you have there. Michael. Yeah, Michael. You have John you Clark. Danny Pomels. That's it, right? Uh, I guess you could say Crystal Rich. Okay. Uh, um. You know, because Crystal has done some filling anchor stuff. But but think about five years ago. Farzetta, I think, is still there. Uh, doing uh, like okay. digital stuff. Okay. 
But think about five years ago, how many people, when I walked in to do Daily News Live, I mean, I used to talk to Derek almost every day, Neil Hartman, um, Leslie, uh, Amy. I, I mean, there were, I'd walk in, there'd be eight, ten people there. Yeah. John Boric, um, probably some people I'm going to forget their name. I'm just going to forget Ronnie, them. Ronnie Burke. Oh, Ron Burke was, well, yeah. I mean, Ron and, and Derek sat pretty close to each other. So I. Marshall just, Harris, yeah. Marshall Harris. I mean, on and on and on and on and on. I just don't understand what viewers are now tuning into. I, I, I like what what are you offering them? Uh, and I used to say the same thing in the paper. I think the paper has survived better, only in that you can still get Mike Sielski and you can get Marcus Hayes and you can get Mike Jensen and Joe Giuliano and you can still get a lot of those. What is in? And I'm not trying to knock this. I don't mean this. This is the state of the world. But why am I tuning in to, and I'll call it Comcast because I still do. What am I tuning in? Games? There's games. Well, There's po- post-game and pre-game, right? Right. They still do that show, um, you know, like their Sports Center show, right? No, they don't. That's Well, uh, they do the, like a 10-minute update thing in the morning, yeah. Okay. That they repeat so, for five hours. So then what are you turning into? You're, you're not. basically turning into games, which I mean, is fine. You, you have the Miss Ellie show from 2 to 6. That, that's that's that, and that's all well and good, and that's well and good. But look, we had Mike on a couple weeks ago. Mike didn't sound like he was doing that long term. I mean, Mike's at a no, point in his life. Mike Mike is likely to to be retiring soon, sooner rather than later. Um, then what? Then you got another four hour, and there'll be I, infomercials. It, that's what I remember, fill it. I remember Kevin, and, and I don't know. Maybe I'm overstating this. But like, let's say 15 years ago, when Comcast was such a big deal that, you know, not that I tuned in 24-7, but, and I was part of it because I was doing Daily right. News Live once a week or whatever, but there was, there was things on there. They would do shows. They would do, you know, when NCAA tournament came around, me and Girardi and, and Neil Hartman would do a show. Yeah. Um, things like that. Some of the they, stuff that Brad now did, like on on the the they had showed the other night the retrospective right, on the spectrum, right. building memory, right. which was and awesome. now I just don't know where fans turn to. I don't. I, I don't know. Um, you know, is it Sixers outsiders? Is it Eagles outsiders? I, you know, I, I, I. But Kevin, this is the world we live in. It, 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 and it's going to get worse. It's going to get, you know, it's going to get worse at the papers. It's going to get worse at at in almost anything that we're watching and good people now are, you know, I mean, you can't get two better people than Greg Murphy and Derek Gunn. No. And they weren't the only ones like Maureen Quilter. Had Maureen Quilter is awesome. 23 years. She had been there since the outset. She was the communications person. Right. Um, And I don't know everything Maureen did, but you know, we would deal with her sometimes when we were, you know, gone, just, just gone and and you wonder sometimes how they even Maureen will, Maureen would appreciate me calling her Villanova super fan Maureen Quiller. She's allowed, and Sean Sean Kane Sean, is a Villanova yeah. super who's Amy's husband. Right. Um you know, and uh it, yeah, it just Kevin sad. saddens me, but I'm almost becoming numb to it because yeah. this has been going on for like three, four, five years now, and and I'm part of it. I mean, look, I could still be at the paper. I'm pretty sure if I had not chose to leave, I would still be there. But I know there's people at the paper that wonder about where what's going to happen there. And I'll say where, this: I'll say this in my end. Um, 
you know, I get a lot of this is financial decisions. And I get that this is something that is done through, you know, is done for reasons beyond the big top. You know, like the top, the top floors make the decision. They don't necessarily care. They care about the profit margins. They don't care about the quality. But you also need people in the middle who are going to be about quality. You need people who do have access to those upper floors who are going to beat the door down and say, we can't do this because we need quality. And it takes courage to do that. It takes the moral courage to do that and to fight for your people. And I don't know if that's what's happened or not, but it sure doesn't look it. It doesn't matter, Kevin. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. You could have middle people banging on doors till kingdom come. I, I saw this at the paper. It didn't matter. If they walked in and said, we got to get rid of 30 bodies, you know what? They're getting rid of 30 bodies. And I would sit there and they would say, we're getting rid of this guy. And I would say, how can you get rid of that guy? But I'll also say, Mike, that the middle people set the tone for what happens in the aftermath. But not in today's world, Kevin. It, it's, it's all from above. It's all from, okay. here's what we got to do. The, 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 the um, interpersonal part of it and the quality part of it are, are no longer the priorities. Uh, and I'm not saying that that means it's a bad – I'm not saying that the paper is a bad product. Right. Or that or the, 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 what Comcast does is a bad product. But it's not as good as it could be simply because of the lack of manpower. Well, and, and, and I mentioned this in a tweet the other day. The one thing I wish Comcast would do – uh, and this is direct. I'll say it right now. Put the pom poms down. And, and I think there is too much pom pom waving. And I get that they have some business relationship with their teams and everything. But if you want to restore some of what has gone on, you have to in this town. You have to call it like you see it. And that ain't going to happen either. I know. It's 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 pa- it's way it's past that. And especially when who ha- don't don't the Sixers have an owner have part of Comcast? No, Josh the Phillies do. The Phillies, Phillies do. Okay. So that's never going to happen. And I don't mean that to say that Ben or or Fran or um or Tom won't be critical oh. if somebody needs to be. Or Jimmy or Jimmy Salisbury, obviously. Right. But they're going to have their pom poms on. But and I don't Ben's gonna Ben's gonna root for a grand slam. Right. The bases are loaded and the Phillies but, are down too. But I don't need like if you look on their app, I don't need if gritty takes a dump, I don't need a gritty update. Yeah, well, this is why I don't like Gritty, but um, because Gritty has become the stories yeah. sometimes. Now, when the Flyers are real good like this, you don't care about Gritty. You know, Gritty's out there somewhere. But things like that, and it's it's going to get worse, Kevin. I'm telling you. It's going, I know it's, it's going, going to get worse. worse. And and that's why people like you and I, while we tune in, and, and I like Tom McCarthy, and I like Ben, and I like, but it's, it's just not the same and I'm, look, I'm not saying that Richie Ashburn and Harry Callis and those guys weren't. You can. Rooting, I don't. Rooting. I don't expect my play-by-play men to be anything but cheerleaders. They're invested. They're in. They're in with the yeah. team every day. It used to be that they were team employees. Okay. Right. I'm saying the people behind the scenes. And look, I excuse. I excuse Jim Salisbury. Jim is as good a reporter as there is, and, and Jim doesn't play pom poms. But there are others there who have. Yeah, but Jim's got a newspaper background. That's right. probably why. And, like, I think, again, the middle managers have to stand up for a, a way. Somebody has to look and go, you know what? We're not doing a gritty story today. 
We're not. No, I don't think. But I, I think they, they don't see it that way, Kevin. Oh, I, I and get for it. all we know, for all we know, the gritty stories might get a lot of readers. I, then, I have no that, idea then, what a gritty story gets. I mean, I ain't reading it. No. But, I mean, I, I guarantee if the paper did a story, if I'm going online and I'm looking at um, Inquire Online. Right. And, there's, and I'm flipping down. There's a story about gritty. I might read it. Just to see, you know, what it is they're saying. Yeah, you know, okay, you know, Gritty did this or Gritty did that. Or but or look what Joel did on Instagram. I mean, come on. But that's the I, world I we it. live in. I know. That's why there's a Sixers Outsiders. That's why there's that's why Ray Didinger's a dinosaur. Yeah. Because Ray Didinger is Ray Didinger. When you turn in on that post game show and you hear those guys being eagle with talking about the Eagles as if they're on the Eagles. Right. You know, I, I mean, and I know Tom McCarthy. I don't think Tom McCarthy sits there 24-7 cheering. For, I, I don't think. But there are times that I'm just like, guys, I know you're paid. But but don't don't root for the three-run homer. I don't need that. I don't need Ben to tell me this would be a great time for a, for a gap double. I know that. You know, yeah. just, you know, just be an announcer. And then if they do something good and you want to cheerlead a little, that's fine. As long as you also are critical when you need to be critical. And I think they are. Yeah, I do I, too. I, I think, that, you know, they say things if, if somebody makes a bad play or a bad pitch or whatever. But I hate when I'm watching a game and it's a close pitch on the outside corner and the Philly pitcher doesn't get it. And somebody's like, oh, my God. Yeah, Really? Every time a Philly doesn't get a call, I got to hear about how the Philly didn't get a call? Yeah. I mean, come on. But that's that's where we are. Yep. And, and I think the people... The viewers watching, not you and me, no. you and I, I think some of them enjoy that because they're homers. Yeah, I and agree. And they want to hear that. Um, and I think we get that with – but I guarantee you, if I listen to the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs guys, they'd be homers too, yeah. I'm sure, for the Maple Leafs. Uh, but I'm not saying – I'm not even saying that. I'm saying it's more just the, the state – it's not the play-by-play. It's not even the game broadcast. It's the other stuff around it. That but that I, permeates. If if, if you're if you yeah. if the guys who are out in front of you that you're seeing are going to be sort of that way a little, or you think they're that way a little, why would you think the people behind them are going to be any different? Yeah, that's fair. All right, you know, Mister. All right, your, your problem and my problem is you grew up. I grew up in an era. You grew up in an era. Yeah. And part of our eras intersected, and we want it to be. You know, it's like when I criticize the president oh, or something, I'll say he wants it to be the way it was in the I 60s. thought I would get through a whole show without you criticizing the president. No, okay. I'm, I'm trying to make an analogy. I know. We sit here and go, I, I wish it was the way it was in the 80s or the, or the 70s or the 90s. Yeah. And it's not. And it won't be. <laughs> it's, it's, and that doesn't mean it's bad. No. It just means it's different and we're older and, you know, yeah. life, life goes on. Uh, next week, Matt Breen on Tuesday. Uh, and we'll look and see. We're hoping to get Keith Mompey here at some point from his uh, his condo in Orlando, Mike. He's not in the bubble? He is in the quasi-bubble. One he can go in and out of but not have access to players. So well, he, he can go out and go to a Wawa? Yeah, he actually, got a, he actually rented like a condo for two months, and it was more affordable. Wow, and he so to, like he, he has his own Disney. kitchen and all that. Yeah, he could go into Disney World if he wanted. Yeah, but I, judging by listening to Keith's podcast, he's not going to Disney. Oh, I don't blame him for not going. I'm just so 
but he's not, he can't get like, I guess he's got to provide his own food. He's not like in a place no. where he goes to a cafeteria. No, he goes, he, he goes to a supermarket, he buys his food and he eats it at, okay. at, at the apartment. So Man. Keith, Keith's one of the good ones. I, yep. I like Keith. Um, so Boy, that, Matt. Must be, that must be a lonely existence for two months, Ooh. Kevin. I mean, he's got a he's got a family. Yep. You know. Um, well, wow. I, we'll try to get him on, and we'll try to ask him about it and see what's going on. So. Yeah, he had, didn't he have the COVID? I mean, he he I had a COVID 20, scare at the beginning of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Back in the, the Rudy Gobert time, yeah. doesn't Rudy? I remember we were on that. Doesn't Rudy Gobert seem like it was like five years ago? Absolutely. Yeah, it does. God. Do you realize the summer's almost over? <laughs> Thank, thanks for depressing me, Mike. When you, I'm going to give you a hint now, because you're 15 years younger than me or 20 years younger, whatever you are. Yeah. The older you get, the, the clock moves way. It's like a running clock. I I they, understand they, they, that. They, you can't call timeouts. You can't. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden, you wake up and you go, "What happened to that year?" Yeah. Oh. And except uh, this one has moved so slow. <laughs> I yeah, I get you, but but it's moved slow, but it's moved fast. Yeah. It's, it's it's weird that way that we're waking up. It's it's almost five months mm-hmm. since Rudy. Mm-hmm. Boy, that yeah. I mean that, and and now I'm, I got something to get excited about, man. I got I yeah. got the Flyers. Yeah, exactly. So when we get back to you on Tuesday, Flyers will be starting the playoffs. Sixers will be on the verge of the playoffs, and the Phillies will be. When, when did the playoffs start, Kevin? For the fly, they got to wait until next the other w- next Wednesday. Over? I think next Wednesday or Thursday. So, and we okay, and we won't know who they play until all these series are, are done. Yeah, but you have, and it's reseeded. So basically, if you're the one, you'll play the the lowest seeded remaining team, and if you're the two, you play the second lowest. Do you think they're going to beat Tampa? I don't know. Um, I, let me put it this way: I'd much rather face Montreal. If Montreal is going to be the, we'll find that out tonight. That's game four tonight. So because I know people in Philadelphia, they'll make this game Saturday tomorrow out to be like Armageddon. And, yep. and look, if they win, it's great. If you yeah, so you're one seed instead of two, whatever. If you lose, it's like when they lost that game to Boston just before the pandemic hit. And I said, so what? Yeah. They lost to a really good team, two zip at home. Yep. You know they'd won nine straight before that or whatever it was. If they lose this game, yeah, even even if God forbid it's like a six two blowout, but but if they lose like three to two or something, I'm not going to be like all upset. I'm going to say okay, they, Tampa's probably the, the best team. Uh, well, Boston was the best team, but I think you're right. I think the pandemic probably hurt Boston. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm, I mean, where where they're at, if, if they had been the fourth seed, I'd be happy. By the way, Stamkos will not play against the Flyers on Saturday. Why? Just uh, Sam hurt? just tweet, Sam just tweeted it out. Okay. Um. Hey, you know, I, hey, when was the last time the Flyers were the one seed? Ninety-seven. Uh, no, nah, they've been the one seed since then. Really? Yeah. You sure. I, I I'm not totally. I think it 90- would have to be the it would have to be the early two thousands. Yeah. But I'm not. Maybe they were. Maybe one of those years when they lost to the Devils, the Scott Stevens year. Yep. Okay. Yeah, maybe. So but that's a long time, man. It is. All right, Mike. Have a good weekend. Have a good weekend. Our thanks to Al Morgini for joining us.
Our thanks for you to, for joining us. Have a good weekend, everybody. This is Bam Work on the Beat. Well, you went uptown riding in your limousine with your fine paw.